let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back once again, and we are diving straight in to the first of this week's beers, aren't we, mate? We are. It's open, it's ready, it's looking at me, it's screaming, drink me. Now, we are featuring uh, four beers from a single brewery tonight, aren't we? You're doing two, I'm doing two, and we are featuring beers from... Um, he's so got so many different names. The, the one that's, that's used the most is the nicest man on Twitter. Um, so these are from Andy Parker's Elusive Brewing Brewery. Yeah, so we also we just so happen to put an order in at the same time. And I am going to do the American Pale Ale Overdrive Lap 18. Okay, my first beer uh, probably will come as no surprise to anyone is the Shadow of the Beast. Um, let's talk about it no more. Let's get, let's get into these beers tonight. Cheers. Okay. Cheers, mate. Right, well, the first thing for me is visually this beer looks spot on as an American Pale Ale. Um, it's actually got probably a slight, a slight haze on it. Um, it's very earthy. The, it's got a lovely head on it from the pouring in the bottle. Um, a bit like we said on Shane, about Shane's beers from Cheshire Brewhouse recently. This is, this is a bit of a cask beer. Oh, abs- absolutely, yeah. The, the quality, the earthiness, the mouthfeel, all makes me think, it's the closest I'm going to get to a cast beer for, 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 for a while. And, and, and before we uh, you know, get into what you think about your beer, I have to admit, I think some of the uh, small pack I've been tasting recently, some of the conditioning has been brilliant, whether that be the secondary fermentation. But I think small pack has really been nailed by a lot of breweries at the moment. And this is no exception from Andy Parker. This is just delightful. This isn't going to last long, so hurry up. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. Um, as, as, as I think you alluded to at the beginning there, we, we both ordered uh, almost identical orders at, at the same time from Andy. And, and I certainly enjoyed all of these beers at the weekend. And that, that was the one thing that really struck me was the, uh, the condition, the, the, the body, the mouthfeel was, was, was absolutely up there with, with, with being a car scale. Um, but then it's just, just packed so full of flavor it's they've just got bags of flavor in them yeah this is this is fruity it's bitter it's dry and it's got a lovely it's quite a soft aroma but you know it's there it's it says it's an american parallel it's an american parallel it is and I, I think slightly uh slightly west coast leaning as well isn't it because it's got that lovely uh resinous pithy bitterness on the finish yeah very much so at the moment it's just again it's got that level at the back end of it which just wants you to taste it again yeah which i yeah. think is always a sign of a good beer as you say it's not going to last in the glass for, yeah. for very long is it and how's your cascadian dark ale <laughs> um it's absolutely delicious again it's it's got that body and mouth feel the first thing you get on the nose is 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 a is, is a waft of of pine which is which is absolutely what i look for in in this style of beer that that gives way there's some some lovely citrus notes in there um and then there's the the, the, the subtlest hint of, of roastedness going on in there for for me um it's an exemplar of this style in it we we'll call it cascadian dark ale call it black ipa um but it's everything i want from from it it's um if i was drinking this blindfolded i probably would struggle to tell that it was a dark beer and that's essentially what i'm looking for in the style i mean the compliment i would pay to andy other than the fact that i think we've waxed lyrical about his beers in the past and you have predating opinions um I put his black IPA up there with the uh, from some of the beers from uh, Colonel, like the India Porter. Absolutely, similar yeah. sort of similar sort of mouthfeel, similar sort of body, and similar sort of flavour and aroma profile. And I, I, I without speaking for Andy, I'm sure most people would take that as a as a pretty big compliment. So yeah, I mean, I I smashed one of those at the weekend as well, and it, it didn't last long, but it did have all those notes you say there. I imagine if Andy's listening to this right now, he's probably just fallen off his chair with that compliment that you've just paid him in, in terms of it being up there um, with, with some of the Colonel's dark offerings. And I would absolutely agree. Um, it, it absolutely is. Uh, and it's, it's just an absolute delight to drink. Yeah, yeah. And I, I look forward to hearing what you think about the, uh, the second beer you've chosen later on in the show, Steve. 
Yeah, well, I'm quite, I'm quite jealous actually because the, 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 I know the beer that you're drinking is the American Red, and and that's essentially the beer that set Andy off on his professional journey. Um, yep. so, so that's quite a landmark beer for him. So I'm quite jealous that you're doing that one tonight, and that I'm essentially doing what is the, uh, I think Andy described it as the Big Brother of Shadow of the Beast, which is Alter yep. Beast, um, but it's got Sabro in it. And, and apparently he's put a lot of Sabro in it. But I've, I've said in the past with Sriracha that um, it behaves differently in dark beers. So I'm well, actually looking forward to seeing whether Sabro is the same. Yeah, because Jet Black Heart, Brewdog, which I haven't actually seen for a long time, um, that's got Sriracha in it, hasn't it? Yeah, and I absolutely love that. Yeah, it'd be interesting what you think of that one later on. But, you know, we've both got these ones in our glasses. Like I said, it won't last for long, so we probably need to rattle through the rattle through the next few sections of the show. I, I reckon so. <laughs> otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna be very thirsty by the time we get to the end. Um, yes. So, so what have you been? Uh, any any standout beers that you've been drinking uh, at home this past week? Um, other than the aforementioned elusive brew, I did. Um, I took a bit of a punt on a case of beers from Two Tribes. They're based in Kings Cross in London. Um, just saw something come up about them. Had a little look. And I was of a mind recently to order a few more sessionable beers, 330 millilitres. And two tribes sort of ticked the box for that. They've got a pale ale, an American pale ale, session IPA and a lager. And they all sit between 4 and 5%, 330 cans, with a discount code that I found. I think it was £36, including delivery for 24 cans. Oh, that's not bad, is it? So basically, I've got some decent fridge fillers, and I have to admit, I was pretty impressed with the uh, Pale Ale Dream Factory. And also, to add to the ever-growing list of uh, lagers that I've discovered in 2020, or rediscovered as well, uh, they've got one called Power Plant, which is a gluten-free and vegan-friendly one, but really nice. got plenty of, plenty of body. It still feels like a lager. It hasn't necessarily got that extra carbonation to it but you can definitely sink a couple of them and not really have to worry about it too much and it don't have to think about it too much um that's probably probably the standout for me i did sneak in on sunday afternoon a little buxton omnipolo yellow belly sunday as a starter as a starter for 10 on sunday afternoon it's, and, it's not, um, you, you're still going in with the high abvs to start are you infrequently i mean uh i had a whole load of session beers lined up so i had a few like a few of us do at the weekend, a few WhatsApp chats and Zoom calls with people. And you don't really, really have to think about what you're drinking when you're doing that. So I'd lined up some session beers and some fa old favourites. But I thought before I kick, kick on with, uh, with that, I'll treat myself half an hour, sipping a beer in the sun, feet up. Very nice way to do it, I have to admit. And uh, because it's more of a, like a very dessert beer, it didn't seem so out of place in the warm weather either. Mm, yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, but as ever, tasted delicious. It's definitely a sipper though, because it is sweet. And as it warms up, that sweetness does build as well. So yeah, the two tribes, sessionable beers with a hint of dessert beer thrown in. Excellent. I've got to say, two tribes are a brewery that I've never heard of um, until you mentioned them. So I've, I've, I've not come across them yet. Um, I think if you, if you see them, um, I think their beers are... Very good in the small pack. I don't know if I've ever tried them outside of the small pack. They feel like a keg brewery to me. And I maybe do them a disservice, so apologies if I am. But I think some of their beers would transfer very nicely to uh, city pubs, for example. City centre pubs, which have got some decent keg lines and decent variety. But yeah, if you get a chance, give it a go. I'll keep my eye out. By the time I do get around to seeing you, I will have finished all of mine, Steve, so well, sorry about that. Clearly, the rate at which you're ordering beer, three orders a week or so, you, you know, they're, they're not hanging around very long in your house, are they? Uh, that's, no. That, that's, that's for sure. No, when I'm going out, I'm out. I'm out, <laughs> out. Um, I've got nothing to really add to that because I've got, I've got to say in the last week, I don't think I've drunk anything new um, other than um, having some of Andy's beers at the weekend uh before drinking them on the show tonight um everything else has just been stuff that i've just got in the fridge it's just fridge fillers there's there's a lot of baby-faced assassin going on here and a lot of jaipur as as, as well so uh, other than that i've got nothing really to, to to shout about at this point 
Well, to be fair, as fridge fillers go, Steve, they may not qualify as sessionable, to use uh, air quotes, but they're definitely both smashable. Let's get into uh, some news this week then. Um, and, and you've got a few things that you, you, you want to bring up, up to start off with. Yeah, and the first one is um, obviously the sad news that Roger Ryman, head brewer St. Allstall, uh, passed away very recently. I'm sure most of our listeners and uh, people who engage with us are aware of this. Um, I'm not sure that you or I have ever met him, Steve. Um, I can't say that I have, unfortunately. Um, But um, judging by a lot of the comments I've seen and a few things I've listened to as well, um, he seems to be a much-loved uh, person, both in and outside of the beer world, to be, to, to be fair. Um, so first of all, obviously, condolences to his family and his friends. I know that St. Also is very much a family brewery, um, and, uh, you know, Roger's wife works or worked at the brewery. Um, so, you know, I'm sure there's a, a, big, a big hole at St. Also at the moment. He is responsible for tribute and proper job, two cask beers that would definitely make my top 10 a uh, big fan of both of those and uh i did go to i was lucky enough to go to st Austell brewery last year uh very lucky that michael chose to do that on his birthday i was very very fortunate that he decided to do that for me um but the uh, listen to a very excellent podcast uh drop recently by emma in she dropped it i think in the last day or so it's a bit of a tribute to roger um so we'll put links into the show notes for that as well and um all i want to say is you know Rest in peace, Roger. And I'll be raising a, a glass of tribute and or proper job in the very near future to you. Uh, moving on to uh, other news. I have, I have a few European pub updates for you, Steve. Okay, so this is in the, the, almost the ongoing saga of yes. um, bars reopening gradually across Europe and, and where we're at in the UK. Yeah, so I'm, so I know we've been getting regular updates from you in terms of what's been going on in Germany. Yeah, so uh, with Germany, basically, as far as my brother's concerned, everything is just ticking along steadily. There hasn't been a massive rise in numbers of people going. But obviously, there is a lack of tourism as well and groups and people moving around. Um, but interestingly, I did specifically ask him about, um, you know, toilets and stuff. And he said, um, basically... The main thing, the two main things they've done with toilets is hand sanitizers on the way in, way out, notices. And they didn't have much else to add to that. So that was quite interesting. They didn't, that seemed a very low-key approach for a country that has been so hot on the lockdown originally and so hot on the on the uh, contract contact testing as well. So I might have to dig into that a little bit more and see if I can get a bit more detail either from uh, my brother or from my sister-in-law who actually works in the pubs. Uh, herself i think i think uh, toilets is going to be one that we're going to come back to a few times tonight actually. yeah I, su- I suspect so and yeah. i'm not surprised to be honest i'm not surprised uh but coincidentally i was actually on a call today with one of my colleagues in the netherlands and it was a bank holiday on monday the june june the first in the netherlands and it was also the same day that bars and restaurants were able to reopen and so the two standout things that he said were that they've got they're adopting the meter and a half so not one metre, not two metres. They've gone for a metre and a half uh, social distancing rule in bars and restaurants, as well as, I think, some other measures such as masks and hand sanitizer. But the other thing he said, and I don't know whether this is just in the Amsterdam area, which is where he lives, um, is online reservations. So as he put it, if you're out for a walk on a nice day, you just fancy popping in somewhere, you can't at the moment. I think we may have spoken or touched upon that previously, but that seems to have been something that's definitely come about in the Netherlands, whether it's across the whole country, city centre based or some other criteria that they use. I'm not sure, but I do speak to my Netherlands, Netherlands colleagues quite regularly. So if I get any more updates from that, I'll add it to the list of European updates for us. It'll be interesting to, to see how things are, are, are progressing. Um, here in the UK, we've, we've heard news this week of uh, a popular and a rather large venue in Manchester. Albert Schloss um, has revealed that, they're gonna, that the measures that they're going to put in place to, to reopen um, when they're allowed to. So uh, they've installed Perspex screens between booths at the bar and at the bar. Uh, they've also introduced a one-way system. They've removed a lot of tables and they've cut down its menu. Um, maximum capacity has been significantly reduced. 
Um, guests are greeted by a sign displaying house rules, a marked out queuing system and a beer tap style hand sanitizing station. There's a thermal imaging camera at the entrance to the venue and before being seated or served customers will also face temperature screening which alerts staff to anyone with an elevated temperature. Uh, if, if staff suspect anyone is unwell they're likely to be asked to leave and seek medical attention. Um, that seems to be quite a lot of steps that they're, that they're putting in place. Um, and, and one of the other points I make here is that they've admitted that operating with such a reduced capacity won't be financially profitable, uh, but it should at least help to pay staff wages. So it's, it's interesting that they've put a certain number of measures in place to try and bring people back in safely. And, you know, first of all, I think the first thing to be said is credit where credit's due. But those measures do seem very extensive and very expensive. And I'm not sure every venue could either implement those changes and or afford them either. Yeah. And, and I, we've spoken about this before in terms of size of venues. Now I've, I've been in, in that place and it's huge for, for, for them to be able to introduce those things. They've got the space to do that. But like we've said time and time again, your smaller pubs um, are going to struggle to introduce such measures. Yeah. And like I said, even if you could, the cost versus what you're going to make on it, because your numbers are going to be down as well. Yeah. Um, unless, unless we're suddenly all going to turn to drinking, taking it in turns to drink seven days a week in the pub and we even it out. So rather than your peaks and troughs, you know, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, perhaps, or maybe even a Sunday with music, that kind of thing. And we all say, well, okay, well, I used to go on a Saturday, but I need to, I need to go on a Tuesday now. Yeah. So, so unless you can flatten out the numbers so that by the end of the week, you're roughly getting the same footfall. I don't see that happening to be honest, but it's an option and you people may do it, but that's like I said, I think some businesses, some offices probably won't install that kind of stuff. Now in regards to, to, to that place in Manchester opening up, what would it be in Manchester? Uh, Steve from Beer Nouveau had a view on, no, on, on this as well. No. And, uh, in a series of tweets um, about this, he, he said, we're planning on, um, and, and this is in terms of, what Steve at Beer Nouveau is, is, is going to do at his tap room um, to try and reopen safely. Um, so we're planning on sanding down and freshly varnishing all of our tables so they can be easily wiped down between groups. We're sorting out a storage container so that all of our sofas and armchairs and the fabric seats can be put into storage and replaced with easy wipe seats. And I'm currently working on several ways so that we can provide safe, clean toilet facilities. The closest I've seen another venue do about toilets is a one-way system in and out because they have two doors to them. It's utterly ridiculous. It's, it's utterly ridiculous whitewashing of safety concerns to stick in perspex screen move half the tables full ppe for staff etc etc if you then do nothing about the toilets it'll make it all look good on the outside maybe even get you in the local paper but if the whole of the visit isn't covered you may as well be coughing on people as they walk in it is the it is the one big thing which we're struggling to get around and get your head around um and the amount of things even if i look at being nouveau i mean not everyone's been there but at least with being a being nouveau's toilet it's very big and you can quite clearly see when someone's gone to it, so to speak. So you're not, there isn't a, you can easily avoid the crossover to and from, but you still got to go in and use it. And it's only a single toilet. Yeah. So, so you're then relying on whoever's used it has then got to take responsibility to then clean it. Not, not, I don't yeah. mean, I mean, don't mean thoroughly clean it, but obviously sanitize, you, you, you know, the seat, the area. Um, yeah. make sure they wash their hands you know in and out and, and that sort of thing and and I still I still think it's the one thing that in in all of these things that we're we're talking about week after week here on the show and that I'm reading that I'm seeing on the television I'm hearing on the radio nobody is considering the toilets and and, and, that, and what the toilet situation is and uh, also, anywhere that's reopening that's the same for offices because I've been on some calls recently where that's been talked about and I don't think anyone's come up. I, I think we probably have to, you know, to, to put, give it context. How do you manage the toilet situation in any environment outside of your own personal home? Exactly. Yeah. You know, if it's a public, I mean, I know that the, uh, the woods near me, they've got some public toilets and they've all got signs up 
saying closed for maintenance. That's just because those are the signs they happen to have. They're just closed because they haven't got a plan for those public toilets. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the same for comp- for offices, private shared dwellings, anything like that. Any- I used to live in be- I used to live in a bedsit. We had a downstairs toilet with an upstairs bathroom, and there were six flats. I don't live there anymore, obviously. But what would I have done there? What would I have done during this whole period of time? Yeah, I mean, and I, again, you talk about public toilet facilities. I went to the, the, the beach uh, at the weekend, um, socially distanced, uh, of course, and made sure that I actually parked close to a, a public toilet that was open. And the, the, the council had made sure there were signs up saying, um, please ensure it's, it's one person in the toilet at a time. Now, now, obviously, that meant that at times there, there were queues, and, but people were adhering to it as far as I could see. I, I suppose the only time that it would become an issue would be if you walked up to it and there wasn't a queue, you don't necessarily know if there's already someone in there or not. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's and kind of a sudden with, awkward crossover, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of nobody wants to be peering around into a toilet, you know, almost like you're looking over someone's shoulder type of thing. But it's it, it's interesting. It's 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 like I say, it's the one thing for me that time and time again still seems to be the thing that's that, that, that's being missed out. Is 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 yes, we can we can start to open up facilities, and we can introduce social distancing measures. But what about the toilets? Yeah, and we're talking about going to places where generally over a period of time we need to visit the loo absolutely i can i can i couldn't go to the pub for even two hours if if i was to book a two-hour slot in a pub i would need to go at least once and if i went once i'd probably have to go again toilets are almost like the unspeakable the 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 unspeakable truth at the moment we know we know what it is but no one's really addressing it because i think they truly know we can't and, and that's the thing. Nobody seems to want to address it because they, they know that there isn't a way of addressing it that isn't going to cost. What we'll end up with, if we're truly going to open places up, and this is the same, again, same for offices, factory sites, whatever it might be. This is going to be the, probably the biggest risk, risk acceptance we have to make. So if we're going to go back to work, if we're going to go back to the pub, if we're going to go back to restaurants, if we're going to fly, get a train. If I'm on a train for an hour plus, there's a good chance I might need the loo because I will. Even if I'm not having train beers, I probably had a bottle of water. Then you will need to use the loo, and therefore, what your risk acceptance is, I need to do it. Therefore, I will take as many precautions as I can. But that's still not being said. It's not being openly said, is it? No, it's a case of controlling what you can control, isn't it? Right, yeah. and and hoping that others have done the same, and and therefore. The, the, the pay it forward almost is that we're, we're, we're all controlling what we control and therefore we're all going to be as safe as we possibly can. And that's what it will be. And again, that will then come back down to that whole thing. How long does that last when people are socially lubricated? Yeah. Let's take a slight pause in this discussion because we are going to come back to this tonight um, in, in, in quite some depth, uh, purely because I've noticed that you've just finished your um, beer there. Um, I did say it wasn't going to last long. <laughs> for fin- final thoughts on, what was it, the, the, the overdrive, lap yeah, 22, so is, was it? Uh, the overdrive, no, no, this is lap 18, so this is an, uh, a new iteration of it. Columbus and Citra, 5.5%. And like I said, it just drinks like a cast beer. One of those cast beers, which if you've got on this of an evening, unless there was something fantastic on, once you had a couple of pints, I think you'd just stick with it. I mean, I think yeah. you'd feel it by the end of the night at five and, at five and a half percent, but you'd have a good time getting there. Two hops that work beautifully together as well, though. Two, two, and, two, and two of the big American sea hops. Like I said, the balance between the two, as well as the earthy dryness as well, mm. and the fruity aromas, just, just works so well. And if we weren't recording tonight, I just would have opened a second bottle of this. Yeah. And, um, and what's your, your thoughts on the Altered Beast? This is the shadow of shadow, the Beast. Shadow, sorry. Altered, altered Beast is coming next, mate. Um, it, it's just delicious all, all the way down again. Um, you, you just keep getting those piney notes. There's a, there's a little bit of orange in there, a little bit of dark chocolate as well, which all just, all just complement each other and work, work really, really well, leading to a nice lasting bitterness in, in there. It's just... Um, it's it's an absolute great example of that style of beer. So two out of two so far then. 
Yeah, so should we get the uh, should we get the next beers in the glass? I think it's an idea, and, and then we can we can move on to this week's question. So going into my glass, then is the altered beast, which is a slightly ramped up version of the Shadow of the Beast. Um, so that didn't actually say Shadow of the yeah, Beast. So comes... I, was just, I was about to ask that. What percentage was the original then? So Shadow of the Beast was five percent. And Altered Beast is 6.8%. Okay. So it's quite quite a step up. Um, again, in the glass, it's uh, a lovely, big, frothy head straight away. Oh, that, I had to mean on, on visually, uh, which for the benefit of everyone else is, is pointless. That looks really good, Steve. Oh, I mean, to be, fair, to be fair, the head on uh, my American Red ain't looking too shabby either. Oh, I'll tell you what, mate, straight away, the, the aroma on that, those, that, that kind of pineapple and passion fruit tropical nose from, from the Sabro is okay, absolutely look. dominant. Should we get in straight away then? Come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. Ch- cheers. cheers. It's like, it's still got that tropical squash feel to it. There's the, it it's very, very soft. Um... Lots of lots of pineapple, some passion fruit, some orange in there as as well. Um, it really is dominant again, though. Um, it, it seems to be wherever that hop is used, it does absolutely take over from 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 any other hops that are in that are in the brew. Um, and I believe uh, I may be wrong here, but I believe this is Sabro and Citra. That have gone in into this, but but I'll I'll check that while you tell me about okay. your American As, Red. So I'm on the level up American Red. This is level twenty two, Cascade and Amarillo. Now, as uh, you mentioned earlier, Steve, this really is the beer which kick started Andy moving from being a an excellent home brewer to being a, an excellent commercial brewer. Uh, having won the competi- national homebrewing competition back in 2014, six years ago. Wow. Um, I know. Ba- barely, barely can believe it. so much has happened. I was, um, I, was at, I was at that event that evening when Andy won that as well. And it was, it was kind of a great moment to be there because I, I had met Andy about a year, two years before. It was, it was lovely to see all the work that he's put into to brewing actually pay off. Um, and I know it took him a while to actually then start the brewery, but I think he had to make sure he had all of the pieces in the right places. Uh, yeah, and you know, obviously judging by the beers, he, he did it the right way. But just to give the, the bit of blurb, in many ways, this is, this is the beer that started things for us. The first iteration was named Winning Beer in the Craft Beer Company National Homebrewing Awards in 2014. We used the prize money as a deposit on a five-barrel litre Five brew, yeah, five barrel liter brew house, and the rest, as they say, is history. So the money from the prizes went straight to this. Is, this is this was the genesis of it, wasn't it? That's that's the beer that launched the brewery. Yeah, yeah. basically, the beer itself. I've, I've I've had level up American red before. I would I would I would say that red beers aren't always my favourite because sometimes with the red beers, either if you've got too much rye in them, it can be a bit too spicy, a bit too peppery. Um, sometimes they can be a bit too toffee, caramel. Again, this one has got a nice balance between the sweetness and the hops. Um, definitely not as bitter as the uh, the overdrive. Sweet, subtle, well balanced. Uh, this is a beer I would probably have a couple of, and then I would go back to the overdrive. I, I love an American red, and, and and when they're done well, they are they are so tasty. And and I literally I could drink them all day long. I, I, I really could, and especially when you find a good one on cask. As, as well it's, it's a thing of absolute beauty and again this would stand up on cask comes in at five percent um yeah i mean i don't see andy's beer enough on cask to be honest out because where where we live even in london i don't see it very often but this just puts me in that mind of uh you know being in a pub in a bar in a beer garden sinking some cask pints again the conditioning on this is excellent yeah, yeah, same, same again with the altered beast. Just going back to the uh, the recipe for for the altered beast. So the um, shadow of the beast was hopped with Cascade, Mosaic, and Citra. 
Um, same three hops used in Alter Beast, although they ramped all of them up a little bit and they added Sabro as, as well to, to that mix. To, I, I, I'm guessing, from what I'm tasting, to bring a lot of tropical notes, a lot of soft stone fruit, fruit notes in to balance out those big, bold American top flavours. And But ultimately, is it working for you? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. Um, I, I, I think that, that the Sabro hop is still dominating. And, and I think it's still giving um, too many of the soft tropical characteristics that I don't necessarily look for in a beer. Okay, well, let's see. Let's see how it goes as it starts to warm up a little bit in the glass, perhaps, as well. Yeah. Well, while, while we're drinking these, uh, let's get into this week's question. Opinions, opinions, opinions. Opinions, opinions. Which was, do you think social distancing can be truly achieved in pubs? Um, we had 793 votes for this. 16.1% uh, of people said yes, and a whopping 83.9% of people saying no. Well, that's pretty conclusive. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised, actually. And as, as we go through some of these comments, um, you'll, you'll see the reason why, I think, because I think a lot of the feedback that we've had is, is a lot of probably how most people are feeling right now. From Bacallion at Bacallion UK, it's difficult enough in supermarkets or walking about. Throw booze into the mix with limited space and it will make it hard work. Josh Howes at Joshua A. Howes. Good question. I voted no, but it's also an opportunity to say that the suggestions that have been put forward really make me not want to go to the pub. I'm not saying they're bad suggestions, but the thought of being in a sanitised pub is almost worse than just being at home. From Beer O'Clock Brewing at B.O. Brewing, in some larger pubs perhaps, but once people have had a few drinks, they will forget themselves. There's always going to be crowding in the toilets. I certainly won't be rushing back to pubs. It will be too stressful worrying about social distancing and defeats the object of going. From Johnny Beer Boy at Johnny Beer Boy. True social distancing? No, I don't think so. No way in a smallish building serving alcohol with communal toilet areas that people aren't going to inadvertently pass each other at less than two metres. I think a loose version of distancing could be achieved maybe 75% of the time. And then finally, from Simon Dewhurst at Simos Loft, I'm undecided on this one. Part of me thinks that they can be, if they can be opened, for example, spoons, then they, would, then they should be. But another part of me feels that this would be unfair on the smaller village pubs who cannot because of design and size. It's a tough one. At the Owl Lady. No. And it upsets me to say so. I can't see how the convivial atmosphere, snuggly corner, or silly, drunken, yet important conversations that I associate with the pub could happen whilst keeping two metres away from everyone. Maybe we all need to shift our ideals to keep the pubs alive. And from Rich at Bicardo, social distancing defeats the whole point of the pub, which is coming together to socialise. And to be fair to Rich, he sort of uh, summed up the comments from Guy, Guy Miller at Brew Guy, Pam Hatef at Gregor underscore J underscore, and Andy Kenny at Andy Kenny 27. And I think there's quite a few other comments along the same sort of vein as well. Yeah, let's let, let, let's just pause there for a moment and pick up on some of those comments that were made. First of all, I think that point from the owl lady was absolutely perfect. It's, you know, those kind of discussions that you often find yourself in, um, random ones sometimes that will take you off down, down a path. I know, I know you and I in, in, in particular, you know, we were in a Dublin pub at two o'clock in the morning and that's where the uh, the genesis of uh, opinions on films came from <laughs> because we suddenly decided that it was a great idea but it's 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 going to be very difficult isn't it to to kind of recreate what we see or, or what we used to see as the pub in in oh, the future definitely even if I just think back to our our day out in, in the first Saturday of January for um, uncruelly A's birthday um, a group of us in the Vic, we went from pub to pub. We did a fair section of pubs in uh, Colchester and um, we didn't have to worry. We didn't have to think about stuff. So if we needed to get close to someone to uh, have that little bit of a conversation while something else was going on and conversations crisscrossing each other, there's a lack of formality, isn't there? There's, um, you know, someone, you, you say hello, you put your arm around them. Yeah, those things all those things which perhaps come naturally to us should 
should we should should we actually stop saying when are things going to return to normal because actually they're not and 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 what what things are going to return to is in fact a new normal it it's it's going to be a new way of of doing things certainly in the short term it's going to be a new a, a new and a different way of doing things and do we just need to accept that actually things are things are going to be different now i i would say so um and i know that some people don't like the phrase new normal but our expectations of just suddenly going back to where we were yeah it, it's going to be different all all walks of our life will be different and quite frankly they should be different at the moment because there is still a killer virus out there but the points that have been made in those first two sections what we read out were very much along the lines of very two distinct themes. Probably can't achieve the social distancing. And if you can, do I really want to be there anyway? Yeah, because it's, it's a lot of people saying, actually, well, that's not the pub for me. Yeah. And, and I'd rather not go, which, which is a shame because we know that these, these businesses that we know and love are going to need our support coming out of the other side of yeah, this. Yeah, and that's maybe where, say, uh, Danny, the old lady, her comment, maybe we all need to shift our ideals to keep the pubs alive. Maybe those pubs who can get as close to achieving that goal of um, social distancing and everyone feeling safe and secure in their environment maybe in the short to medium term we have to accept the pub won't be the pub as we know it but if we want any sort of pub we still need to support it some cracking comments in those first couple of sections yeah some really cracking comments yeah well while, while we're talking about the pub and in, in so far as it being a business and and also the staff they employ so some of the comments that we had here are um first of all from the hotspot podcast at hotspot uk i don't understand how the bar staff will manage to keep two meters apart let alone the customers i just don't see how it can work without limiting numbers of customers what about all of the micro pubs which aren't generally the most spacious anyway sad but i don't think it can happen from chris clough at nine squirrels brew much as I can't wait for pubs to open, it's got to be a no. There's no feasible way to guarantee safety of bar staff. And besides, social distancing cancels out most of the things we're all missing about going to the pub. From James at James Moosh, I don't think so. How can a pub be profitable with a small fraction of its usual capacity? Without being busy on Friday and Saturday nights, how do they take in enough to pay their staff and bills? I haven't seen anyone answer this. Returning to a subject we've covered quite a few times so far in this show. <laughs> Toilets from Timmy Tentos. Cracking name, Timmy Tentos. No chance. Look at the space inside the boys' toilets. Adequate sinks, drying facilities, etc. You know, again, some really good points. People have, I think, people have really been thinking about this before oh, the question went out. These these people have been thinking about how do I go back to the pub? How do the well, pubs reopen? These are the discussions that people have been having at home with their friends. And, 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 you know, probably on Zoom calls and, you know, WhatsApp groups and, and all the rest of it. These are the discussions that people are having right now. Yeah. And the pub, you know, let's be honest, not in our, not just in our circle, British life, pub comes into it. Even people who are infrequent visitors to pubs are probably crying out for the pub now. From Richard Hawkins at Hotwell, Hotwell Dickey. I'm saying yes but only large, large pubs and beer gardens, which is a shame as ironically, they tend to have less beer choice and I prefer smaller places as they have more atmosphere. Also, perhaps I'm saying yes, because I'm missing the pub. Dot, dot, dot. Those dot, dot, dots almost looked a little bit sad. They did. They needed a sad emoji at the end of that. Yeah. From Darren Ramage at Darren underscore Ramage. Social distancing will only work in pubs the size of aircraft hangers or those with massive beer gardens. I can't see how it can be financially viable for a landlord landlady. And as a customer, it'd be such a depressing experience. Same comments coming out frequently here. And finally, from Tom, Tom, uh, Tom Tapped at Tom underscore Tapped. The pubs that could implement social distancing correctly tomorrow are probably the soulless, gentrified vacuums I tend to avoid. I just fear for the pubs I love who might struggle to adapt to this new reality. And that's quite a good way of putting it. New reality. Yeah, those are conversations again we've we've had in terms of the places that we like to frequent, and and how they might actually introduce some of these measures. Just to finish up here, we had a couple of points that were essentially from the landlord's point of view. So from that beer place at that beer place HQ, 
As unpalatable as it is, absolutely no. I've measured up and due to our size and layout, our drinking capacity would be reduced by 93%. We all need to stay safe and sadly this will destroy many businesses in the hospitality trade. And then also from Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608, too many factors to consider for there to be a 100% correct answer. Each pub will have to do all it can to keep staff, customers and suppliers safe. But the one thing I do know is pubs need customers to survive. So they need to feel safe if they decide to go back to the pub. Now, the first point that I want to pull out of those two is drinking capacity would be reduced by 93%. I mean, that sounds like you've got... Wow. I don't know what size of place that is, but if that's a, if that's a place which can hold 100 people, that means you can only hold seven. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that really brings the whole thing to life, does it not? Yeah. And you reduce that again. So you bring it down to 10 people becomes, what, 0.7? Yeah. So if it's a micropub which could only hold, say, 10 to 15 people... 15 people you're almost you're just over one person you can have one maybe two people in there sitting on opposite sides of the room yeah no point in opening that venue no no um i think this is this is one that that that, that may still can continue um like i said we've we've only pulled out a short um number of, of of the comments that we had uh there were loads of comments on on this poll this week and there is a link in the show notes to the question um so, so click through to that um have a read through some of the comments if you still want to get involved in this particular discussion use the hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in the next part of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down first up from will watkins at dry your beers it got me through another longish run in the sun martin i think i've shared a recent epiphany a few weeks ago i decided to stop saving my special pricier impies for the end of the night i've definitely been appreciating them a lot more as a slow first drink I'm not a lager drinker, but a one pound donation with each of those cans is a huge chunk of margin and incredibly generous. I'd have been taken aback by half that amount. So I think that was in reference, second part of that was in reference to the Utopian Rainbow. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 and he's right. One pound is incredibly generous per, per unit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but good to see you're inspiring people, mate, to start their evenings on a massive imperial stout rather well, than, than finishing well, that way. Or afternoons, depending on your depending when your afternoon versus evening starts in this sunny sunny weather, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. From Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Another lovely snippet, lads. Enjoyed the delight at the Govinda opening. Devastated that the wife has the monopoly on the tech the evening of the summer sesh, but I'm sure my boy Rob Edwards will rep the Midland beerheads better than I could anyway. I'm Sean O'Reilly, uh, I'm Krulia. Another great show, guys. Summer sesh ticket booked. Love the poetry corner from Miles Lambert. I had resolved not to order more beer this month, but I'm tempted by your Cheshire Brew House recommendation. The outro music wasn't something I would expect in Steve's record collection. Well, just always expect the unexpected from Steve's outro tunes. Yeah, I think I think I, I went back to Sean and said that I was actually quite a big Cooler Shaker fan back in the day. So that, that was the obvious choice for me in terms of the last show. From Beer Isolation, Revere, a.k.a. Jules Great at Beer underscore Revere. Finally, listen to the Corkage show. Think it'd be useful if you had people on in the trade who could explain how those businesses work. For example, venues will work on different GP, GP percentages to operate their businesses depending on overall running costs. I'm off trade with a bit of Tavon and a bottle shop. So lots going on I could share. There's more work involved in sales, pouring, offering glasses, glass washing, offering cleaning, services, toilet, seating, toilets again. Everyone's talking about toilets. Uh, lighting, music, clean away bottles, can, paying for recycling. Now, off the back of that comment from Jules, um, I think at some point in the uh, in the future of these snippets, we are going to have uh, Jules on as a guest with us. Maybe when things start to open up, I think I think that's the a, current plan. Yeah, yeah. Give us a bit of an overview, both of what we're talking about in terms of corkage, but also give us a bit of an insider's insider view about how things are going once we open up as well. So yeah. I think we'll get two sides of a, of a coin there as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting to Jules about that in the future. Uh, from your boy, Rob Edwards, at Rob underscore Edwards 90. Great show, guys. I'll get, I'll get thinking about my tunes for the summer sesh. Uh, and then from I Love Sabro Hops, which is appropriate. 
at Discombobulated. Um, I totally agree about the Cheshire Brewhouse moving to cans. Plus, the design of the cans is possibly one of the best examples of appealing to all demographics. Tasteful and appealing in any beer drinker's fridge and stand out for all the right reasons. But in response to the Liverpool comment, I can't help but wonder whether the association with the big beer sponsorship, Carlsberg, Chang, etc., is why Liverpool is seen to many to be a lager city and the reason it has comparably fewer craft breweries venues than similar sized cities. From the Cheshire Brewhouse, we remember the first time Stephen Martin tried our beers and said, great beers, but the designs are a bit off point. I think working with art by volume and working out a concept has fixed our packaging woes. We didn't change what we do with the beer much. And I'm pretty pleased about that last sentence. So, so am I. And I'm also very humbled that they, that, that they listened to the podcast and, and, and took on board the comments that we make, made about the designs. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was blown away when I saw the, saw the first couple of sentences of that. But I was ultimately very pleased that they didn't change the beer much because uh, those were the beers I fell in love with from Ch- Cheshire Brewhouse. From Adam, John- Adam Johnson at Maybe Not A Fad. As per Martin's suggestion with Brooklyn Brewery potentially going into some of the, the poorer Marston's pubs, I also wonder if some London Fields may make their way in there as well. Interesting point. I don't think we even considered that, did we? No, but it's, it's very likely, isn't it? Considering well, Carlsberg's investment into um, London Fields. Well, why not? If you've got access to taps and you've got beer being produced. From Beers Without Frontiers podcast at beers underscore frontiers. As ever, great show, guys. Great input from Ruth, especially on the Marlsberg story. Really getting into the detail of what the deal means for drinkers and employees alike. Uh, from Stay at Home Maguire at Mike Maguire. Another great snippet, lads. The input from the guest drinker was very good. Agree the comments about increasing FOMO due to social media, but the bank balance is always a blocker. I think not getting to our locals to try new beers also sees us chasing our favourite styles. From Irish Beer Snob at Irish Beer Snob. Another really enjoyable snippet, folks. I'm going to have to add Chester Brewhouse now to my FOMO list. Agree 100% with the points made on outside seating as pub solution. We don't have that culture in the UK and Ireland. Government tried to bring in, the government tried to bring in legislation here about. 15 years ago to simplify legislation to allow for a cafe culture like Europe, which would have meant pub licenses being worthless overnight. They currently sell for about 100,000 euros here. Needless to say, the pub lobby got that kiboshed. And thirdly, there is talking of going to one metres here, given numbers have stabilised and now regularly under 100 new cases per day. If it's that, a lot more pubs will be able to open. Also loved Steve at Bianovo Thoughts on Heritage. Thank you for that, Wayne. Um, interesting to see if, if Ireland do go to the one metre. Um, and I do wonder whether they've had any consultation with their... their, their um, their correspondent in Huddersfield about that. <laughs> who who knows? Um, because he seems to be uh, consulting with many different countries at the moment, doesn't he? Uh, fo- fo- following that blog post that he put out and, and, and subsequent discussions about it. He's a, he's, a busy, he's a busy man. Yeah. So from said correspondent, Mark Johnson, at Mark N. Johnson, just finished the last five minutes I'd forgotten to, was busy consulting with the German authorities on bar safety. Great chat and industry insight. I may be prompted to write that post about cans making breweries cool. I have in my head. Looking forward to hashtag summer sesh. Well, it'd be good to see you, Mark. And um, as ever, we look forward to any blog posts coming out from you. Oh, always. It's always nice that we kind of have this uh, synchronous harmony with with, with Mark in terms of what he's writing and what we're talking about uh, at the same time. Um, just to pick up on uh, what Mark was saying there uh, about the summer sesh, that is uh, this coming Saturday, as this podcast releases on the Thursday. There are only a couple of spaces left on session one. If you want to get involved uh, at this point, best thing to do is probably to send us a DM to see if there are any places, um, and where possible, we'll try and get you involved in the festivities on Saturday evening. Let's get some final thoughts on the second of the two elusive brews that we've been drinking um as you finish the american red how was it i haven't too much to add i mean it's 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 definitely got a lovely hot profile as well as having that multi backbone which adds a bit of that sweetness and a bit of that a little bit of that toppy caramel without being too overblown if i have to have a, red, a favorite red style it would be the american red but i think it's a bit like uh american browns because they add a bit of that hot character to it and those hops that I really like, West Coast hops. 
that I can get behind it. I was still plump for the overdrive over the American Red if I was sitting in a pub sessioning it. I, 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 having again tried both of those, I would actually be the other way around. I would definitely be sessioning that American Red all, all day long. How has your Sabro hopped infused altered beast gone? It wasn't for me. Uh, that that hop, uh, I do not like Sabro hops. Uh, I I chose to to do this one tonight because I wanted to be challenged to see if the Sabro hop did anything in a dark beer, and um, it, it doesn't do anything different for me. It's just too it's too tropical. It's it's too soft stone fruity. Um, has it got any of that? What about the coconut sort of element? Did, does not not through? so much not not so much it's it's what what is very very prominent from it are those big big tropical notes so there's lots of pineapple uh in there um lots of passion fruit as as, as well those are the, those are the two that are really dominant for me in, so in what, what the new england ipa style of aroma and flavors yeah um it's it's a shame because i would have loved to have just tried uh, maybe just a double version of Shadow of the Beast without Sabro hops in it, because that would have been absolutely cracking. Um, Surely Andy has a recipe for an amped up version that uses the same hops, but just increases the hops and the malt profile. I, I, I think he does, but I think this this particular one was a was a collab with Beer No Evil as as well. So this was this this is a slightly different label to all these other ones. This is um that the label actually says the 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 the, the beta series. Um, and it simply just says what the beer is, the the ABV, and whether it was clab. So um, I'm guessing there were other influences in there. Um, but but it's really it's not for me. It's 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 not a hop that I enjoy. That's three times now I've I've had it in almost as many weeks, and I'm just I'm just really not getting on with it. Um, so I probably will look to avoid that one in the future. What have we got coming up next week? Do we do we know what we're doing next week yet? We've we've got a guest drinker. We with, have a guest drinker. Again. One of our one of our listeners is joining us, and uh, I think we're digging into our Belgium beer stock, Steve. That's that's the current plan, yeah. So um, things could be interesting <laughs> as as we're recording on Sunday after the summer sesh. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether I'm ready for some Belgian beers or not. But always ready for Belgian beers, Steve. What's the matter with you, man? Yep. No, no, that's true. Um, we are looking forward to being joined by a, a, another one of our listeners in the guest drinker slot. Uh, we are still taking. Um, people for that if you do want to get involved there is quite a waiting list uh, at the moment though because we are doing it every other week um but if you do want to get involved as, as, as a guest drinker make sure you dm us and we'll add you to the list so i think the only thing uh, left to say there is uh probably this week is cheers and we look forward to chatting to you all again next week cheers, cheers.